Chapter 1. We Have No Hope When Donald Trump campaigned for president, there was one promise he repeatedly made. He said he would drain the swamp. It was an appealing phrase that he threw out at rallies and on Twitter, a commitment to reshape the way business worked in the nation's capital. To Trump, draining the swamp originally meant putting restrictions on lobbying. It was narrow and targeted just one aspect of government. But once he took office, something changed. The phrase expanded to include other things and other goals. The swamp was apparently the politicians he didn't like. It was the media that he felt was spreading lies. It was anyone who said anything critical of him. The swamp was suddenly much bigger, and the promise to drain it much more convoluted. So what has the draining process looked like? So far, it's meant violating the norms of governing. It's meant discrediting government workers as a so-called deep state out to undermine the administration. It has meant a single-minded drive to reverse the decisions of his predecessor and an obsessive focus on his former rival. He insisted that so many things were bad deals, deals he never would have done, deals he would renegotiate or terminate entirely. To assist him in the draining, Trump appointed people to government positions who were political novices. But at times, these subordinates paradoxically seemed to work against good government. Questions lingered about who was actually calling the shots, and like any group of politicians, some have been successful, while others were forced to resign. It was an intriguing experiment about whether an administration of outsiders could reform the way politics works. But the question is, was the swamp truly as reprehensible as it's made out to be? Or was the swamp, and the people who were a part of it, actually how a government is supposed to function? The story you are about to hear takes place before the rise of Donald Trump and far away from Washington, D.C. Years before Drain the Swamp became a rallying cry, a small city found itself caught in its own battle between the establishment and a small group of political outsiders that decided enough was enough. They started to win elections. They started to have control. And they started to actually change the city. What happened next looked very different depending on what side you were on. Did these fresh faces clean up the government by blowing the whistle on corruption and chasing away its enablers? Or did these amateurs bully, sabotage, and bumble their way through one crisis after another? It turns out, when a city tried to drain the swamp, it wasn't pretty. From City Council Chronicles, I'm Michael Carlick. Would you read the message you sent to me on July 10th, 2017? I need help. I'm the youngest member of a city council here in North College Hill, Ohio, and my peers are on another level of Mayberryism. I made that up. Basically, they are old. 
and mean, and they want no progress, but they call themselves Change North College Hill. Kill me. They refuse to read anything, period, but they have mastered the art of deception. I'm not sure how they're getting people to drink the Kool-Aid or smoke the rock, but their buy-in is so ridiculous it hurts. Help me. When I saw that note from Amber Bailey, I understood her frustration. It's not always fun to be in a group of people who are older than you and with ideas different from yours. But that's how it is in politics. That's how it is in a lot of things. This was my first reaction. But a few hours later, Amber sent me another message. I cannot explain the amount of crap these people are pulling. I'm unsure how to expose them for the bigots they are. I am at wit's end. I think that our our little town has been taken over by one group in general for way too long. And what's happening is, is they're really good at manipulating people that they're doing good for the community and they're not. But where I am younger than all of them by 20 plus years and where I am one of these people that are very honest and open with my intentions, they hate me. So like even today we have committee meetings today and all of like the agendas got sent out to everyone is set for me on purpose. When you say they, who are you talking about? Is this the entire city council, the mayor, the city administrator? The city administrator and the mayor, um, and the president of council, Miss Nichols, it's kind of like it's kind of like there's this feud that's been going on for so long, and they are one half of the feud, and then the other half of the feud are the rest of the city council members. So it's like all six voting seats, except for myself, are all part of one big organization of just madness and hate. Because I hate when they manipulate people. I hate when they lie because they're so great at lying. Like, the, like great politicians, them. Horrible politician, me. Great leader, me. Horrible leader, them. I bite my tongue on them so many times during these meetings that it's sad. Because I don't want to be the one that just says, y'all are a bunch of idiots. Because that's not how you conduct a business meeting. But on the other hand, like, I want to tell them you are a bunch of idiots all the time, but I don't. Sorry to rant for a moment. I'm so sorry to rant, but ugh. Amber and I talked on and off for several weeks, and each time she brought a new grievance about her city council. You sent me a message on Wednesday that said... The Monday meeting was a shit show. Mm-hmm. In what way was it a shit show? Oh, man. The lies. The lies. <laughs> the obvious question is, if she can't stand her counsel so much, why is she there in the first place? Well, it's about as unconventional a path as you can imagine. For several years, Amber Bailey sold cell phones for T-Mobile. She says she took a year off and traveled the country on Greyhound buses where she met her husband. The two of them moved to North College Hill, Ohio in 2013. They now live with their three-year-old and her husband's grandfather. One thing that I will 
tell people and I'll tell you the same is I don't have the education that a lot of them have and some of them claim to have. Um, but I think that there are two different, I believe you have two different paths. You can either go for the education path or the experience path. But even if you get the best education in the world, the first job, the first question on the job application is, what is your experience in this field? In 2016, Amber began showing up at city council meetings as a resident. Sometimes she just sat and watched. Other times, she spoke at public comment, asking questions, offering suggestions, and at the April 17th meeting in 2017, criticizing the council members. First of all, I'm going to say that it's really, really, really disgusting when people take blows at one another in references from people sitting in the crowd to people making... I, I just can't even understand why someone would bring up... Oh, it infuriates me that no, no business is hardly ever done up here because of this unspoken hate for one another and this... This whole thing going on, and I'm, I'm going to tell you guys it's got to change. One month after those comments, a position opened up on the North College Hill Council. The president, Sean Feeney, resigned his seat to move out of state. A committee selected one of the other council members, Tracy Nichols, to become the new president. Now that Nichols's seat needed filling, Amber had drawn attention to herself as someone who is active and interested. Another committee, which included the mayor, selected her for the vacancy, and on May 15th, she was sworn in as a council member at the age of 27. Last week, there was a, um, we can all have our own webpage on the city webpage, and our administrator, Ms. Cheryl, she has, Ms. she has told us this 12 times in meetings, I promise, that we could do this. Well, I was the only one that actually took the time to, like, just write a short, hi, I'm Amber, you know. Well, somebody made up a concerned citizen at NorthCollegeHill.com Gmail and sent it to everybody in council and all of the administrators, except for myself, but wanted to talk about how atrocious my writing was. The council was no small source of stress for her. Talking to Amber Bailey one-on-one, it's obvious that she's intelligent. She does her research, amassing documents, facts, and figures about the issues she has to vote on. Amber drills information from the city administration and doesn't wait for anyone to give her anything. She even created her own survey to let people choose an official North College Hill flower. She said a hundred people responded. Two-thirds picked the sunflower. She even receives compliments at meetings from the residents, who admire her ideas and her energy. But Amber gets the cold shoulder, too. I've seen her lose confidence sometimes in the meetings, sitting there quietly while taking criticism or corrections. And then there's the email. Three days after being sworn in, Amber sent an email to everyone on city council, plus the mayor and administration. You were elected and appointed to make the best decision for all of North College Hill, not just one demographic, she wrote, signing off with the hashtag, can't be stopped. Another recently appointed council member, Matthew Wallert, responded politely but firmly to let her know how she was coming across to the others. 
You have mentioned that you feel you are negatively perceived, Wallert wrote. Did that email help dispel that perception? In other words, your remarks were completely appropriate for a citizen in the crowd. But as a citizen, you can throw bombs from the crowd, make absolute statements, offer binary all-or-nothing solutions, point fingers, and generally lecture counsel on how evil they are. Your role is different now. God our Father, we are all your servants. We trust in your mercy and love. We trust also in your guidance. Direct the meetings of this Council of North College Hill to make good decisions for all the people who live in our city. Give all the members of this council wisdom and insight to know what is best for our city. Help us to be fair and just in all our decisions. Bless us all to do the very best we can with your help and guidance. We pray this in your name. Amen. When Amber stepped onto the council in mid-2017, it was in the midst of a heated controversy. North College Hills City Hall exists inside an old elementary school. Now called the City Center, the single-story building is separated into two pieces. The administrative side of the complex is where the council chamber is located, as are the mayor's office, the tax department, and the North College Hill Historical Society. But the second half of the city center is what makes it different from other city halls. Depending on your point of view, it is either city center's asset or its biggest pitfall. Called the recreation side, the building contains a gymnasium and several classrooms. Over the past few years, programs for children and adults filled the recreation side. A theater group with over two dozen performances a year, a youth basketball league, double dutch, cheerleading and football, a boot camp, and a church that ministered to a hundred African refugees. Back in the day, not really that far back in the day, I, I can't tell you what year it is, honestly. We traded the land that our school is sitting on for the old school that the city center is in now, even. Well, the building had not been re-roofed in X amount of years and hadn't been maintained. My fellow members of council are completely cool with demolishing half of that building and spending more money and losing 18,000 square feet because they say that kids won't use recreation centers. Kids don't come out to open gyms and art programs anymore. They say that no one would use that side of the building. Um, so... There's a church in there now, the DAV, the American Legion, and there's a recreation. We have a recreation director that took them two years to pay. And so nothing has really been developed on that side of the building because the roof is leaking. We had um, an acting company, the center stage players were in there. They would bring in, you know, a couple thousand people into their shows and they had to leave because... The building was leaking, number one, but number two, we were going to lose our insurance on September the 1st for the entire building. So here we are. So why is this so complicated? That's like asking me the question to life. I don't know. It's black and white to me. I get it. I've read every piece of paper there is. I've seen it all. I mean, I've read bids. I've read estimates. I've read 
proposals, but for some reason, it's just this big stigma that just keeps going and going and going and going. But where we are, there is no place to rent. They, I, I asked them what, when I asked my fellow members of council in a committee meeting, a committee of the whole meeting, I asked them, what is our budget? What are we willing to put into this building? And Mr. Waller, my other fellow councilman, screamed at me like a dog. How much time has this one issue taken up in your meetings since you've been on council? I was sworn in on May 15th, and every single meeting since then, except for maybe two, The problems with the city center began shortly after the city moved in. The school was already over 50 years old when North College Hill acquired it in 2010, and the roof had developed major leaks. Not only was the roof leaking at that time, there were windows that needed um, replacing, lights that needed upgrading, floors with possible asbestos that needed replacing, bathroom facilities that needed fixing and upgrading, but no money was appropriated at that time to fix anything, including the leaky roof. The city council had been aware for over a year that something needed to happen. There was agreement about the administrative half. The roof over the city employees needed replacement. Honestly, I have headaches. I'm sick in this building. A lot of other employees don't feel good in this building. We need to do something. Council is supposed to appropriate money. That is it. It's a very difficult, I I honestly feel like a deer in the headlights with the bills coming up because I'm one that that doesn't like a lot of overhead. um, And that makes me very, very uncomfortable. But so does asbestos. Yeah, well, yeah, and I think we owe it to the workers to provide a safe, yeah. But the stalemate among council members and their allies was about whether the recreation side should even exist anymore. If we put programs in every room every day, we would not make enough money uh, to pay for this 55-year-old building. There's potential here. I just think there's potential here. We just have to get it together. Time and time again, this building has failed to be more than anything than what it was supposed to be, an elementary school. Keep kicking it down the road. You know, you're going to put these people's lives in jeopardy. Y'all need to get off your bus and get it done. Quit jerking around. We've made it clear that we're not, we're not in favor of putting money into this money pit that I've heard a couple residents call this tonight. In the first part of 2017, the council and the mayor struggled to find a direction forward for the city center. There was an idea known as fix half, patch half. The administrative side would get a new roof, and the recreation side would get patches that would last a year, maybe two. That idea was shot down. Then there was a proposal to replace the roof on both sides of the building at an estimated cost of over $600,000. That, too, failed. Around this time, the administration posted a bright orange sign on the door of the building. It read, in capital letters, Location Closing, September 1st, 2017. The insurance for the city center was set to lapse without a solid roof. The workers would be evicted, so would the council. 
but council members instead were annoyed that their email addresses were listed on the flyer, seeming to blame them for the closure. What I find interesting, and it's kind of been sticking kind of, kind of with me for ever since it happened, the name of every member of council and email address is on the front door like a scarlet letter, like we've done nothing. It's a scarlet letter of shame in order to try to convince people that it's council's fault and no one else's fault. Uh, and that bothers me. Finally, what did end up passing was a plan to replace the roof on the administrative side and demolish the recreation side. The only no vote was Amber Bailey. Afterward, the mayor, Maureen Mason, lit into the council for their decision. You are telling all of the citizens of North College Hill we don't care to provide any kind of recreational programs for you. We're going to let that building, that part of the building go. But you're just saying, no, they're not important enough to worry about. Some people need to get over the fact that they dislike former Mayor Dan Brooks so badly, and he was the mayor when this deal was made. The mayor vetoed the plan to fix half and demolish half. So, the council passed it again. This time, even Amber voted in favor, she told me, just to get the city to do something to end the paralysis. Have you ever heard of something being played out? Like, in an example, you have a great photographer who is awesome, but they play out that one location that's beautiful, or you hear that one song on the radio and you hear it over and over and over again for like two years. We'll say Fireworks by Katy Perry. Whatever. You hear it in movies. You hear people karaoke it. And then you go to the radio. Here it is. Then you go to a concert and somebody that's not even Katy Perry like the Backstreet Boys is singing it. It's played out. People are tired. People think that this should have been taken care of a long time ago and it hasn't been. It's played out. It's irrelevant to people. They don't understand what's really happening because they've been fed the wrong information so many times that in their mind, it is completely played out. They're done. How did the council get to be in the position of tearing down half of City Hall? And why did one side feel that it was purely a grudge match about someone or something in the past? It came up during one of my conversations with Amber. Just a side tip, we do insulin here at the house every night for an 82-year-old. An How old are you, Pop? 82 or 87? 87. 87. Wow. Does he have any opinion on what's happening? Do you have any opinion on them people on council? He rolled his eyes and shook his head. <laughs> He has plenty of opinions. I'm not sure if you're ready for that, because that could be a book. The Dan Brooks thing got a lot of attention. The O'Shea lawsuit got a lot of attention. Shauna O'Shea, a former city council member, sued the city on behalf of the city. I didn't get any money, though. I'm just saying. Um, For Mr. Brooks combining the two salaries of Miss Fitzgerald, And the word that they used the whole entire time was toxic, 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 toxic. Well, they are the only common denominator through everything are those people. I think him and Maureen went way back. And so I would say that Mr. Brooks, yes, knew Maureen. I'm not sure of how close they were. 
I really try not to like I get like the backstory of all of it, but I still can't find the underlying reason on why people do what they do, if that makes sense. Like I get it. And that's how I feel like I feel like there's no constructive criticism anymore in our council or constructive feedback because all the votes are I mean, we have no hope. There is no hope. If 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 you have a council and you are running and you have six people on there and the votes are six to one, you have no hope. Like it's a problem. It is a problem. It sounds like you've been consistently frustrated at every meeting since you've gotten on the council that the other people don't see the problems and the solutions in the same way that you do. I know your term is for four years. Do you think you can last that long in that kind of stress? Four years. <laughs> I... Mm. A four-year term. This is, let me be completely honest. I don't think anybody could last four years sitting next to the people that I sit next to. And the reason is, is because very few of them decide to read a book. Very few of them understand what is happening because they, they don't do the research and they just vote or they just make decisions based off, I don't know what, maybe their dreams. I don't get it. So, I'm, I'm, mm. Mm. To think of four years as a term, oh gosh, it is very stressful. It, oh, just the sound of four years of dealing with them sounds so stressful. But North College Hill has no hope at all. Have you ever had an interview like this? Exactly like this? No. Or like close to this? Close to it? Also, no. <laughs> this is a whole other ballgame. You're like, what is happening? This is a story about more than just one council member's strained relationships with her co-workers. And it is about more than one building slated for demolition. In a sense, the city center is a focal point for a struggle that began a decade ago, when a group of insurgents decided that they were unhappy with the way things were going in North College Hill, and they began to do something about it. In that time, things have happened here that are not normal for a city council, not even close. This story is the product of 10 months of work based on nearly 200 hours of city council meetings, almost 60 hours of interviews, and hundreds of pages of documents, emails, and posts from social media. What transpired inside the walls of the city center did not begin there nor did it stay there. After one political group took power, a lot changed in North College Hill. The name of that group? Change North College Hill. This is Tear It Down. North College Hill is a roughly rectangular city of less than two square miles. It's situated in Hamilton County, at the southwestern tip of Ohio, and miles away from the Kentucky and Indiana borders. Two main roads cross in the middle of town, Galbraith Road going east to west, and Hamilton Avenue north to south. 
Immediately below the city is College Hill, a neighborhood in the much bigger city of Cincinnati. Surrounding North College Hill on its other borders are the city of Mount Healthy, Springfield Township, and Colerain Township. A cemetery at the intersection of Hamilton and Galbraith predates the Civil War, but North College Hill started as a village in the 1900s. It gradually swelled into a suburb, hitting a population of 12,000 in 1960. Since then, it has dwindled to around 9,300 people. Mostly residential, the city 10 years ago was majority white. Now, it's split almost evenly between white and black. The community has occasionally found its way into national news. North College Hill spawned a court case in the middle of Prohibition, in which the mayor, A.R. Pugh, tried and convicted a man for violating state liquor law. The problem was, Mayor Pugh received money for convictions and nothing for acquittals. The defendant appealed all the way up to the United States Supreme Court on the grounds that there was no way the mayor could be a neutral judge. The court agreed and overturned the conviction. North College Hill incorporated as a city in 1941. But for 30 years, almost 40% of the city's existence, it had one mayor, a man named Daniel Brooks. Brooks was an architect professionally who won his first seat on the city council in 1979 in a field of 18 candidates. Four years later, he ran for mayor and won. He wanted to create things, to solve problems, to build things, to plan things, to improve the life of the people in the community. That was something that he sought to do. He always claimed that he didn't care what party somebody belonged to, as long as they wanted to get things done, as long as they were willing to work together towards those goals. Dan Brooks's biographer, Rick Dykeman. He was part of a group that got together and were interested enough in the city and saying, we could change this. It's a small enough place that we could really make a difference here. We need to make things better. And they got together a group, and it was formed by people from different political backgrounds. They called themselves local Democrats because they were their involvement here was through the Democratic Party, but not all of them had identified before that as Democrats. For three decades, North College Hill was run by Democrats, with Dan Brooks in the mayor's office and majorities on the city council. But in the late 2000s, some locals were dissatisfied with the way Mayor Brooks operated. They grumbled that the council was merely his rubber stamp. Suddenly, a new political organization cropped up, Change North College Hill. According to their website, and from various accounts I've heard, it had its origins in a 2008 incident inside a butcher shop. Bullets from a shooting next door pierced the walls of the store and left some people rattled about the safety of their community. They began to meet, they began to talk and plan. What started as a concern about public safety morphed into something bigger. No one is quite sure who came up with the name Change NCH, but the idea was literal. A change in direction. A change in leadership. That's what they stood for. The same thing Brooks had wanted decades earlier. And in the 2009 municipal elections, coming just one year after Barack Obama won on the slogan of Change We Can Believe In, Change NCH captured three seats on the city council. Four years later, they won the majority. Shortly after that, Dan Brooks resigned. 
It appeared that Change NCH had achieved what they set out to do. But now that they were in control of the council, what did they want to get done? What was their direction for the city? What did they want to legislate? You're not drafting any legislation. Nothing got written up, nothing got passed, nothing got done unless they were shutting something of the administrations down. Former council member Sean Feeney and his wife, Brittany Feeney. Because of that, that power you know, situation that they were after, um, they put the city in jeopardy multiple times mm-hmm. just to prove a point. And their point was not consistent. So it was very disappointing, uh, both as a resident, as a, a member of that council that uh, constantly just saw things shut down um, based on something just minor. Just for the sake of shutting it down. Yeah. Just because they could. I could be off a little bit, but they want to have power. The, 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 these are my words, the most power. They want to be able to dictate how the mayor hires and fires whomever she chooses. They want to have control over the city administrator. Um, so it's just a matter of dictating how everything is done. Tracy Nichols, the current council president. Yeah, I get that. But once they have control over everything, um, and maybe once they get into the mayor's office, what what are they going to do? Like, like what do they want done that's not already being done in North College Hill? To tell you the truth, I really, I, I can't tell you. I'm confused about what change NCH actually wants. Obviously, the mayor's office and all seats on council, but... What do you think they're going to do once they get that stuff? Make North College Hill as wide as they can again. In the beginning, Change North College Hill had a handful of volunteers and candidates. People who were Democrats, Republicans, or neither. One of those early candidates was Al Long. I reached him at the cafeteria of Thomas More College, where he was a retention officer at the time. Four months after I moved in, went to my first city council meeting. Uh, at the end of the meeting, I was approached by the former mayor, Dan Brooks, um, probably because I was the only African-American that had attended uh, one of the meetings in a very long time. And he said, who are you? What are you? What do you want to do? Um, and I said, I just want to be aware. And uh, it went from there. He said he wanted me to join the Recreation Commission. They had a spot opening and told me what it was about. So within a month after that meeting, he had me on the uh, Recreation Commission. What was your relationship with Dan Brooks like? Uh, Early on and up until this day, it's always been as a mentor. To a certain extent, I looked at Dan Brooks as a father figure. We had a uh, time when I, I told my dad that I was ready. My mentor didn't believe me. And um, as a result, I, um, I ran against his will and I ran against his uh, entire team. Okay. So this change NCH group, that was in opposition to Dan Brooks's team, as you put it? Absolutely. Okay, what was the original goal of change? What was our goal? Yeah. To get something other than appointed people, handpicked people that were, um, how did we look at it? People that thought they uh, bore 
a um, a natural right to serve on council because they were picked by the Democrats. And the funny thing about it, if they had picked either Renee or myself, we probably wouldn't have had a problem. But they didn't. And they kept saying we weren't ready, we weren't ready. But we felt that, you know, we were ready and, you know, somebody needed to take a stance. But the council is nonpartisan, at least it is now, right? Uh, well, we, we did that during our time at Change, too. We knew that the Democrats had a, you know, North College Hill being a Democratic town, they usually put D's on the ballot. So people will vote because they see a D or an R. So strategically, we made an alliance with the Democrats saying that we will remove all political references on campaign literature as, as well as the ballot uh, and just run a clean campaign. Your name against our name. You can be endorsed by a Democratic Party or Republican Party, but we, um, we're going to remove it from the ballot. Why would they agree to that deal if they were the ones winning? We never, we never really knew, but we were so happy when they did I think I negotiated it, Nick negotiated it. It was probably the biggest mistake that they made, that we recognize that they made to this day, uh, because I don't know if we can change it. <laughs> we got to change it by by ordinance or by uh, charter amendment. But it was probably the stupidest thing that they did, and we walked out of there. We had a we had a number of concessions, right? We, we were going back and forth about, you know, rules of engagement. But they didn't understand that we thought that that was our biggest thing. So we kind of downplayed it. They said they didn't have a problem with it because they were so cocky. Like, well, we're going to win off our name anyway. They wasn't thinking big picture. I guess Link Link was. And uh, we got it. What was so dissatisfactory about the way the Democrats are running the city that brought you to to form this group in opposition to them? That's a good question. It actually differed for everybody in change. Now, Nick Link, because of his longtime association with Mayor Brooks, he had fiscal reasons. He had personal reasons. You know, he was more rooted, in my opinion, on justable reasons that we couldn't really understand because we were all two, three, four years into our time in, in North College Hill. My reason was, shit, they didn't want to let me in. I wanted to be, you know, African-American males uh, supporting, you know, our black black community and our black people in the city. And then they went and found people that had never done anything and put them on council and then appointed them to different seats. And never sacrificed the time that we did. I just, I thought that wasn't right. Mayor Brooks would always tell me, him and Roger Crumman, you're just not ready. You're just not ready. You're too busy. You got too much going on. You're not ready. I'm like, well, how the hell are you going to say I'm not ready? You know, I love you, but you know, you got to give me a shot. So everybody had their own reasons. Roger Crumman was the longtime council president and friend of Dan Brooks. The two of them were more or less the top of the Democratic Party in North College Hill. Another friend of theirs, Nick Link, helped form Change NCH after years of service as a Democrat in various offices in the city. Link helped run the campaigns of Change's first slate of candidates, including Al Long. To Long, Change was a vehicle to the city council. 
But early in 2009, warning signs started to pop up. Long told me that the only other black member at the time told him to get the hell out, but he brushed it aside. Then, one of the members allegedly emailed a news article to the group, which, in Long's recollection, reported that black Americans were inferior learners to whites. He remembers getting offended, which in turn offended the other members at him. At the Easter egg hunt, he confronted the group. Do you remember cursing at them? Oh, man, I probably lit them all up. I probably did light them up. Yeah, I probably did. I probably said a couple dams or MFs. Shortly afterward, Change NCH voted to boot Al Long from the ticket for his behavior. Long says he quit and ran as an independent with a real change for North College Hill as his platform. Then, he took them to court. You know, I still planned on running my own campaign. I thought it was, you know, close to $2,000, so I sued him. Took it to a municipal court in Hamilton County. I thought I had a pretty strong case. I called him a couple of days later when he was driving with his daughter. He said he filed a claim against Change NCH for what he saw as his share of their campaign contributions. Had a couple up on the stand and lit them up real bad, so much so that the judge uh, took offense to me, you know, going in hard on them. And I don't think she used the facts uh, with the law appropriately and cited in their favor. Court records show the amount was actually $500. In a two-page email to Change NCH, he wrote, Legally, until a judge says differently, I will not allow a majority of members to oust me without just compensation. He added in bold a phrase he said Change members used in their meetings. What sets us apart from the Democrats is we are a family. Long was right. He did not win his case. What did happen, however, was another escalation. And they started to track my internet activity. They they got real sad because you know we had we created a blog, and I think I commented on the blog while I was working at LexisNexis. Are you familiar with LexisNexis? I am. Yeah. So they tracked that I used my work computer during lunch. They contacted HR and LexisNexis and threatened to sue LexisNexis if they didn't fire me uh, for using my work computer to comment on their blog anonymously. So I got called in HR and they were like, you better never go on that website again and you should probably leave that organization alone. So it was at that point when they when I saw that they could touch my job my livelihood. I never, ever uh, said or did anything else against change. It wasn't that serious. As for Long's interpretation of what Change NCH wanted to make North College Hill as white as they could, he generally doesn't believe that the group's members are racist. I could tell he'd given this some thought, and he made it clear to me that, as a black man, questioning racial motivations is not something he wants to think about. It's something by which he has to live. The issue, and if you've ever seen me speak when I do talk about race uh, with counsel, it's an uncomfortable conversation, and it should be, you know, because that's 
That's how you deal with racism, by having uncomfortable conversations with people so they can learn. And I don't want to think that they're racist, but I want to, I know that some of their actions are not promoting a positive uh, interaction with everybody of, of a different race. But didn't Dan Brooks also give you the cold shoulder when you wanted to be a part of his team, when you wanted to change things? Did he make you feel uncomfortable with that in the same way? Absolutely, but, you know, he, he was clear. He, he at least was telling me that I wasn't ready. And, you know, the reason I wasn't ready, I didn't serve enough time. Uh, he didn't think I would make decisions that would be in the best interest. I disagree. You know, technically, we have a meter. Those of us that are older and, and more experienced African-Americans, uh, a meter where we, we have to gauge whether or not someone has issue with us because we're assholes or we're just, you know, difficult people or if it's because we're black. You know, that meter, that filter is always on, right? And most times, Dan is able to go through that filter and have little issues of racial um, problems most times. But that, that same filter, when, when used with some of the things that change does or did in the past, they, it doesn't even get halfway through before you realize that there's something else there. Okay. So when he said he didn't think you're ready, you think he really didn't think you're ready. It wasn't a race thing. No, not at all. Okay. What did you make of it when he resigned suddenly? Uh, I was very suspect. Thought might it might be something up. I mean, what are you doing 70, 80 miles an hour? I thought it might be something up because uh, it really didn't make any sense. But then again, I thought that they were being strategic because you know, this term was done. He had served his time and they were finally ready to transition. Yeah. How does change view Dan Brooks? Hate him. Why? Well, they, they did. They didn't trust him. They didn't think he was doing best for the city. It's going to merge. That's what they said, man. They didn't think he was doing what's best for the city. Um, thought he was irresponsible. It's not completely true that Dan Brooks was irresponsible. But near the end of his time in office, he did develop major blind spots. And as Change NCH entered the picture, they did not see mistakes. They saw conspiracy. A conspiracy which demanded they turn their attention away from legislating and toward getting rid of the person who ran the government. I don't want to be threatened into putting money in a position. I don't want to be threatened or bullied into anything. That's not what we are here for. It is an important decision that we need to take our time and make. So, Shay, so I don't think, I don't think I'm not done, Mr. Well, Dieters. Please let me finish. Next time. Please support Tear It Down by supporting our sponsor, Rhyming Regards. 
thank yous, invitations, coasters, and toasts. Send your next greeting card with a healthy dose of rhyming regards. Browse existing designs or have the team custom create one for you. Visit rhymingregards.com for more information.